Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This Sunday and next Sunday, we consider John the Baptist who prepared the way of the Lord. He he was prophesied to come as the forerunner to the Messiah. He was raised up by God to preach repentance and forgiveness. He baptized sinners into Christ. He was the voice crying in the wilderness, comforting God's people with the saving gospel. He was filled with the Holy Spirit so that he even leapt in his mother's womb at the voice of Mary. John even baptized Jesus, which we will listen to the baptism of our Lord in three weeks from today. And John then knew that his own ministry was to be drawing to an end for the baptism of our Lord marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the flesh. John the Baptist rightly recognized, as he testified in John chapter 3, that he must decrease so that Christ will increase. As John conducted his ministry, he rightly pointed the people to Christ Jesus. One day, when John's ministry was drawing to a close, he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. Jesus called John the Baptist in our gospel more than a prophet, because John is the one of whom it is written in Malachi 3, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The last prophet in the Old Testament had prophesied of another prophet that will be raised up before the prophet comes. So Malachi prophesied concerning the prophet John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for the prophet, the prophet, Jesus. Jesus asked the crowds what they, when they went uh, out into the wilderness, what they went out into the wilderness to see. He asked if they went out into the wilderness to see a reed shaking in the wind or if they went out into the wilderness to find a man who is dressed in soft clothing. But John, of course, wore camel's skin and ate locusts and wild honey. He was no reed shaking to and fro with the wind of current opinion. Instead, John's message was firmly rooted in the word of God. He remained steadfast to Christ, even when not all would receive his message. You see, despite the popularity of John and the reality that he did have followers, and many went out to hear his preaching and were baptized into Christ, not all did receive John. Some even hated John the Baptist. For example, a delegation of Pharisees came to question John and to question the authority by which John is doing these things, as we will hear in next Sunday morning's gospel. 
Later, John rightly condemned the Pharisees, saying, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And then John had a run-in with the government. King Herod had a brother whose name was Philip. And Philip married, was married to a woman named Herodias. Herodias did not like being married to the king's brother. She wanted to be married to the king. And Herod also wanted Herodias as his own wife. John repeatedly warned the king, saying, It is not lawful for, to, for you to have your brother's wife. And instead of heeding and listening to John's wise and godly counsel, what happens? Herod throws John into prison. And that's why our gospel begins by speaking about John being in prison. And on top of this, Herod wanted to kill John, but he feared the people because the people recognize John rightly as a prophet sent from God. Herodias even more badly wanted to see John put to death, and she did not fear the people. She didn't have to deal with them. And eventually John would die at Herodias's request that he was beheaded. John the Baptist then served as a martyr who died over his faithful confession of Christ. But that's how it goes when one is found faithful. There are always some Christians who will love faithful ministers, as many did follow John the Baptist. But there will also be others who do not love the faithful witnesses, witness of the, of the ministers that God sends. Some who despise godly counsel are completely outside the church, as King Herod himself was. They hate the message of the gospel and, were and will persecute Christians. We can see this hatred of the gospel and the persecution of, the Christ of Christians around the globe, especially by Muslims and even by atheists who are militantly fighting against Christianity and Christian values and morals. And there are even Christians, though, who persecute Christians. The, uh, and this is done when Christians do not want to receive the teaching, the reproof, the correction, and the training in righteousness that the scriptures were inspired by God to do. So instead of receiving correction for their false belief and their immoral lifestyle, they who profess to be Christian in turn, attack the messengers of God who are saying the truth in Jesus' name, often not realizing that they are actually attacking God himself as they are rejecting the true messengers whom God sends. Remember our epistle lesson in which St. Paul is speaking, writing concerning pastors. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write, This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy or faithful. Pastors are called to be faithful to Christ. 
That is their obligation and their duty. It's sometimes tempting to think that the ones who pay the pastor are the ones who get to decide what the pastor says. But that cannot be further from the truth. Ultimately, God pays the pastor, and God is the one who raises up pastors, and he gives them the message to preach, which is the word that is found in the scriptures. You want your pastors to be telling you what the Bible says because that is the truth. You don't want your pastor to have you hear outright lies or half-truths. You don't want your pastor to be saying those things. You don't want your pastor to be swaying in the reeds in the current winds of public opinion. But you want your pastor to be saying, thus saith the Lord, and proving it by the scriptures. But this faithfulness is also costly. It can involve losing friends. It can involve losing possessions or even losing touch with family members. Not just the faithfulness of pastors like John the Baptist, but also faithfulness of other Christians like St. Lucia, who we recognized this past Wednesday. Yes, families are sometimes torn apart over receiving or rejecting the gospel. And that's why we boldly sing at Reformation, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone, our victory has been won, the kingdom ours remaineth. And recall the preaching of Jesus, who declared, I came to to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already be kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That's the preaching of Jesus. When we are faithful to Christ, it will cost us time because we will take time to gather in God's house. We'll take time to open our Bibles and study the scriptures. We'll take time for prayer each day, and we will take time to teach the faith to loved ones. When we are faithful to Christ, it will also cost us of our treasures, for we will in thanksgiving for what we have in Christ, return a portion of our income back to the Lord. And when we are faithful to Christ, it will cost us some convenience because we will be motivated to love our neighbors and to do good to them. But my friends, faithfulness to Christ is in fact not costly at all because while we may lose some of the luxuries of this life, We gain everything when we become children of God. We are reconciled with God. We are blessed to have this reconciliation with God. We are blessed to know that God, our Heavenly Father, hears our prayers and will answer them according to his good and gracious will. We are blessed in having the reality that we have peace with God, even if we should suffer division or a sword, or a lack of peace here on earth. Remember the words of Jesus, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, 
but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And with those words of Jesus in mind, we should ask ourselves, what do we really lose when we gain our soul? What do we lose as we give our time and our talents and our treasures? What do we lose when we gain our soul? And when we gain Christ, we gain his forgiveness. We gain knowledge that he loves us and laid down his life for us. We gain the forgiveness of sins. We gain eternal life and reconciliation with God, our Heavenly Father. Jesus brings us everlasting salvation and will usher in the new heavens and the new earth, and they will be perfect in every way. And we receive this as our inheritance, and we will live in perfection to all eternity. John the Baptist, whose life was cut short by an evil government, is now receiving, even after being decapitated, these gifts of God. He is with Christ, and we will see John at the resurrection. John's body, of course, will be whole and complete, not the way it was when he died. We will also see in paradise the apostles and the prophets and the great hymn writers and theologians of old. We'll see when we are in paradise the martyrs and our loved ones who die in the faith. We will meet our ancestors whom maybe we knew their names but never knew them in the flesh. We gain this all by being Christian. And so John faithfully directed his hearers to Christ even when he was in prison. He sent some of his own disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the coming one or shall we look for another? In considering today's gospel, some think that John was having his doubts here as he's wrongly suffering in prison. The very John who once said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and witness the reality that Jesus is the Son of God at the baptism of Jesus and while it may well be that John had his doubts, I think it is more plausible that John is simply being a faithful witness of Christ, that he is directing the people to Jesus. They're there, sorry over John because he's in prison, and John's saying, don't worry about me. Look to Jesus. He's your Savior. Go and ask him this question. Are you the coming one? Listen to the true Savior, because John himself knew that he is not the one who is to redeem the world of his own of the world's sin. That's not John's task. John was to direct people to Jesus. And that is the pastor's task today. John's question served as a good one for our times. Is Jesus still the coming one? Is he the promised Messiah? Do we look for another? It's a good question to ask because we have these messiahs all around us. These false messiahs will tell you anything that you want to hear, from religious ideas to ways to achieve success. Some of these messiahs will claim to come in the name of God and show you how you can somehow go against what Jesus says and have peace on earth. And other messiahs will tell you how you can 
achieve financial success or how you can overcome this or that hurdle or this or that temptation as if if you walk and follow in their footsteps you'll do everything right and you'll get the world to revolve around you and then everything will be good they'll promise false a false security in this world but the true messiah gives you true security We must always be on guard that we are not led astray by the many false messiahs that are all around us. When John's followers met or went to the true messiah, Jesus answered their question. And in doing so, Jesus gave testimony to who he is. He shows how he is fulfilling the scriptures in their midst. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Isaiah prophesies this ministry of Jesus. In chapter 35, Isaiah says, Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And also Jesus is speaking in the prophecy of Isaiah 61, saying, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. The same powerful gospel is being preached to you. It makes you wise unto salvation. And through this gospel, the Holy Spirit works faith in you and saves your souls. Through faithful preaching, the crucified one is placed before you, the one who died on the cross to atone for your sin, the one who rose from the grave to give you the gift of eternal life. And so to answer the question of John, Jesus truly is the coming one. We have no need to look for another. We have all the blessings of eternity granted to us even now by grace through faith imparted to us by the works of the Spirit in the means of grace, the word and the sacraments. Thanks be to God for these blessings that we have now. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.